Welcome back, international lovers of West Coast, Yacht Rock, just great music in general. This is Out of the Main. I am Tom Nixon, joined as always by my brother from my brother's mother, uh, John. Yes, second-rate first mate, as I've been known, and we are spanning, what, six time zones today? Six-hour difference? Something like that? Yes, we are, because uh, we are very honored to welcome in, I think, uh, currently all the way from Norway, uh, none other than Ole Borud and Lars Eric Dahl. I hope I didn't ruin those names too poorly, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. It's all good. So are you guys in Norway tonight? I know you guys are at a gig uh, between Soundcheck and Showtime. Where are you tonight? We, uh, that's right. We are in a city called Drammen, Drammen, whatever. And uh, we're doing a show tonight at uh, 9 o'clock p.m. And so right now we just have some time off and, yeah, ready to grab some food in a minute. So, yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to start, if you don't mind, with uh, your latest release, at least the latest release that I know, because um, it features some names that are very common to our uh, podcast here. And it's called Find a Way. It's a single that features Bill Champlin, Jay Graydon, and Michael Omardian. So tell us how this came to be, because it's a, it's a, a quite the banger, if you know the expression. With the shelter from all the rain, and my eyes could not believe, what you tried to help me see. Love is patient, love will always find a way. Okay, thank you. First of all, um, yeah. well, initially it started with me writing the tune uh, and um, basically just started thinking about maybe it'd be cool to have some people, you know, uh, join in and do some sort of collab thing, you know, collaboration. And uh, that's when I started thinking that, hey, maybe it'd be cool to just, you know, pay homage to some of the old heroes. And fortunately, I'd been in touch with all of the three guys prior to the song and to all that stuff. So it really wasn't that hard to, first of all, get in touch with them. And then, um, and also fortunately, all of them were like really, you know, into it right away and stoked to be a part of it. So yeah, man, it was just such a blast and such a, you know, fun experience for me. Absolutely. And then there's also a uh, performance video out there as well. So you got those guys to film what they were doing as well, and you guys. So that was pretty fun. So that's, um, I mean, I, I got that idea right away when I realized that, okay, so this is going to happen. Those guys are going to be a part of it. We should definitely do like this collab video. And um, I basically just thought of, of doing it like you've seen <laughs> all the way through uh, COVID, I suppose, yeah. like because that's the easiest way to make it happen, basically. And so that's what we asked for, to have them just shoot some videos at their, you know, at their local uh, studio place or whatever. And we did the same thing and just, Lars actually put everything together in a really smooth and nice way. So, yeah. Yeah, Lars, uh, I should point out uh, your evening or at least making it closer. We've had more drummers on. My brother here's a drummer. I pretend to be a bass player. And so you're, I think, the third. So that's good. You're in good company. Vernon Porter, Lance Hoppin, and now Lars Eric. So uh, thank you for setting this up, Lars. Yeah, no problem. That's a pretty cool trio of bassists there. Yeah. And you've been with uh, Ole since 2002. Is that right? Yeah. It's, yeah. 21 years this summer. It's uh, getting old. Wow. Long in the tooth. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's well, uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Still well, fun. Maybe 
this will make you feel young because I want to go back to Bill, <laughs> Jay, and Michael. They're our, yeah. our elders um, and our heroes, as you mentioned. So um, did any of them contribute anything other than the obvious? So we hear Bill singing. We hear Jay takes a lead. Michael was on synths or keyboards or some kind. Piano. Michael mm-hmm. played piano. Um, well, initially, I wrote the whole tune with all the arrangements. And uh, Jackie Cavan did the lyrics. Uh, however, I mean, Bill is like uh, such a treat when it comes to uh, doing vocals because he's like, you know, putting a lot of stuff there and just basically uh, um, I just had the honor of, of just figuring out what to use and how to, you know, implement that into the song and whatnot. Uh, and so in that sense, I would say that Bill, um, you know, contributed with uh, some of his you know, just classic Bill Champlin types of, of doing vocals, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that was perfect because I really wanted that. And you could, you, I mean, you could say the same thing for the other guys as well because, I mean, you could obviously hear that Jay is playing the lead. I mean, it's like such a classic, like, touch to what he's doing. And uh, and that goes for, for Omar as well. I mean, he's got that that Omar touch. So I was looking for all of that, you know. So in that sense, yeah, sure. I mean, they, they contributed with the way that they play and their feel to the song and all that stuff. Uh, however, the song was written, all the arrangements were there because, uh, yeah. Well, Jay, yeah, with Jay's solo, it is definitely the way he plays. It is so Jay. I mean, the way he reaches and bends and sort of some of the intervals he uses in that solo. But then in the intro... Uh, you've got this sort of wire choir thing going on, and then you've got somebody blazing a lead on the fade-out that does not sound like Jay. So who else is involved on this track? That's me. That's you? I do all wow. the all the other guitars are me. Okay. So I'll, I basically always do that on my tunes. Yeah, he's no Jay Graydon, but he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does he, do you play everything but the bass then on all your tracks? Uh, if I do? No, no, no. I, I, play, I play guitars, and uh, I sing. And then I have, you know, my guys do the other duties. So, and also lately, I've I've realized that it's fun to have some other uh, vocals, like backing <laughs> vocals. So, Lars is uh, doing a lot of uh, backing vocals, um, also on the tune. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it makes well, for was... makes for a, you know fuller flavor, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah adding different different tonalities in there. I was looking through your Wikipedia page, Ole, and it's kind of funny because when it lists the genres, I had to run through this for the audience real quick. All the genres you're listed as having done, children's, uh, choral, Christian metal, CCM, extreme metal, (laughs) gospel, hardcore punk, hymn, jazz pop, progressive metal, pop rock, R&B, soul, and then, of course, they do say Yacht Rock at the end. But what was the evolution that brought you to where you are now musically, at least to the point where you've been taking on these, what we might consider some of these West Coast um, funk, pop influence stuff? Well, if you look at my catalog with, with the stuff that I've done uh, under my own name, um, especially when you start with uh, Shaking the Ground, it's always been there because that's been like an integral part of of my musical upbringing uh, when, when I was a kid. I mean, that's the reason why I'm listed uh, uh, with children's music, because when I was a kid, we would tra- travel with my family and uh, sing around in Norway. Mm. So um, 
And then, like, when we traveled in the car, we would listen to, uh, well, you know, obviously Chicago. We'd listen to um, all the Graydon-produced stuff, Pages, Giro, and all that stuff, Airplay. We'd listen to Sea Wind. We would listen to Gino Vanelli, Donald Fagan. And then later on during uh, the 80s, uh, I was a huge fan of Mr. Mr. and Nick Kershaw. And my mm -hmm. brother was a huge fan of Level 42. So all this stuff is kind of like, you know, just... Uh, kind of a part of me, like in, in my DNA, so to speak. So it just came out naturally. And then I have to say that uh, it felt natural for me to try to combine that with some sort of um, elements of, of more of that Stevie Wonder type of thing, if you know what I mean, because I've always yeah. liked that way of singing. But obviously, I mean, that's already uh, um, a part of the West Coast thing, if you think about it, because like, Like, say for instance, if Jay is talking about this type of music, he wouldn't say like all of these, like West Coast or Yacht Rock, he, yeah. he would say jazz, pop, R&B, that's what he would say. And that's basically what's inside of West Coast, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean, mm -hmm. like that soul thing, it's already there. You can hear it in all those great vocalists from back in the day. Like they've got that touch and all of those guys were inspired by, obviously, <laughs> way back before they did those albums so yeah yeah one name you didn't mention um that it uh, struck me uh, i guess maybe when your uh, your 2022 album came out um i just like every time i listen to that i start craving prince oh really like, yeah cool yes. i wrote that down i was gonna ask minneapolis sound was that one of your influences go ahead tom that's funny well, that was it just, i'm like i'm hearing prince yeah so, is that what one of your influences as well to a certain degree yes but i never was like this huge prince fan but i definitely like had some periods where i got like heavily into some of his albums and you know some of his, his like you know sometimes you just pull out some elements of whatever an artist is doing And you just basically make it your own, and uh, it, it kind of uh, gets into whatever you're doing otherwise. So it kind of yeah. gets just implemented into your your uh, vocabulary, so to speak. So in that sense, I'm inspired by a lot of different artists, and it could be yeah. like something that's very much not West Coasty or whatever. But that doesn't matter because music is music. Right. Correct. Yes. So John, let's just play a little bit of the vow off shaking the ground and let's see what the listener thinks and if they're hearing any prints, because this is this is funky. And as uh, <laughs> Bill Champlin would say, funkier than a three day old band aid. Cause I just wanna spend my life with you. That's all I wanna do. Please believe me when I say to you, that's all I wanna do. Yeah, I had uh, written down Keep Moving and Backyard Party, both hearing that, but uh, that's cool. That is funky, like like Bill would say. But So, obviously, funky, Lars, you're the bass player in a lot of funky, funky stuff. What are your bass player heroes and influences? Abe Laboreal, ah, first and yeah. foremost. Uh, cool. Uh, such a sweet guy and, a, and just a master pocket bass player. Just always does what's right for the song, and and, and uh, I've been lucky enough to meet him a couple of times, and he's he's a real sweetheart too. Um, so, so that's he was my main hero uh, growing up. Uh, alongside, there's a Danish guy, uh, Lars Danielson, 
who is a super funky uh, Danish bass player, played with um, Michael Ruff a lot over here in the 90s. Um, Google him, check him out. He's a, 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 one of the best. He's also played with uh, on a tour or two with... Um, yeah. yeah, actually when we did the um, Christmas tour, me and Samuel from Sweden, um, one of those years we had uh, Lars playing the bass. I was going to comment on your style because I, I have an appreciation for it because not only you mentioned the pocket and the groove and servicing the yeah. song, which you do, and you show a restraint that I don't have, which is when <laughs> I get into a funk song, I want to shine right on the bass player. You never do more than what's necessary, but you always do enough to make it really feel funky. We, we could talk about that a little bit, but I, uh, I I used to play way more because this this, <laughs> this kind of music is, is so much fun, and when you get into to it uh there's always another lick you can do around the corner there's always something you can comment on and add to some stuff and we actually had a bit of a just serious talk one time on a flight that you know he told me try to steer clear of my vocal lines please and i had to <laughs> <laughs> i had to take take a step back a little bit so i guess that that was what i needed to hear at that uh, yeah. 15 years ago or something but i would have to say that i totally agree because um in 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 so many different ways all of us have matured in uh, our positions in the band and that really goes for Lars. i mean he's just keeps getting better just like a wine you know like it's just more and more like just the perfect thing exactly when you need it it's like oh yes thank you wow you know yeah there are times when i need wine exactly <laughs> <laughs> so anyways i mean and that actually goes for all of us in the band like that yeah. those are the benefits of of having been together for so many years like and we can definitely feed off of each other but then also we just learn more and more how to you know how to respond in um like the <laughs> the right way uh, so to right. speak so yeah. i mean for sure definitely i mean it's it's a lot about maturity and just uh realizing that you know it's all good you know you don't have to like uh, show like your whole vocabulary of licks right away it's all good right. i mean because there is so much musicality in what you're doing um Already. That's, I think, so true of the musicians that we adore on this podcast and just in real life is that, you know, they, they could do anything, but they pick their spots. But you they know, Caro, chief among them, Abel Boreal, you mentioned, but really that's just a signature of the sound. These guys are accomplished musicians, but they don't need to show you every lick all the time. And when you do that as a listener, that becomes kind of fatiguing anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's about dynamics, you know, you, you keep it on a stay in the pocket and then when you need to step out you do it uh with intent and uh loud and clear well one of the uh, things you mentioned earlier you mentioned sea wind as one of your influences and that brought to mind obviously jerry hay and the boys and the uh the horn arrangements that you guys have so another thing you have to stay out of the way of probably but who handles the horn arrangements because there is definitely some hay influence in that that would be me, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So that's kind of like just the way I've been wired. I kind of, you know, when I write music, usually I really enjoy the, the process of arranging the song as well, because that's such an integral part of writing the song for me. And so pretty much the only time when I did like this deliberate move to not do that was on Soul Letters, 
because I, you know, did that deliberate move of showing the guys, guys just demos with me singing and an acoustic guitar. And then we met in the studio and, you know, talked, talked every song through and then played together, which was also great fun because that's uh, such a special thing and a unique thing to get together and mold stuff together like that. But then again, I have to admit that I still, you know, love sitting, you know, at home and work on tunes. And that's what I did on Find A Way as well, you know. You, you, usually, uh, all those demos are, are pretty complete compositions with arrangements and everything. So it's easy for us to to just replace the parts and add a little spice, little personality here and there. But but that still is so important because I mean, uh, yes, they are pretty complete, but at the same time, they're lacking that human touch, which is so important. So I mean, yeah, different that really, humans combining. Yeah. That really matters, right. no matter yeah. what, you know. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was so. Soul Letters is your most recent album release, right? Twenty twenty two. Discogs says twenty twenty one. But that I maybe this is the reason. Um, this is my favorite record of yours. Oh, really? I, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting because it's been? that's the least West Coasty album I've ever done, and maybe the most princey. I don't know. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, well, there's just, a certain underproduced sound to that which I love. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I love the sound of the album because we really just yeah. wanted to. We wanted it to sound a little bit more dirty, whatever that yeah. means. But just yeah. like the mental idea of like something that's more like gritty and all that stuff. So, and that really turned out great, you know. And then also, um, just the vibe of, of the whole album is a little bit more relaxed somewhat. So yes. I, you know, I really enjoy doing that, you know. So since we talked about how wonderfully reserved you are, let's play a little bit of Under Control and get my boy some chance to shine here. <laughs> Slap and popping. Hit it. So yeah, so uh, wow, yeah, yeah, I love your tone and your style and your control. Like you know, that's one thing. As a hack myself, I start slapping and popping, and things start to get really messy. But you're just you're right, like Abe Laboreal or any of the greats. So well, that that uh, bass groove was that was uh, all this idea from the beginning. Uh, so I just had to learn it and had to internalize it and and uh, try to. Try to keep in the pocket. It's still a challenge every time we do it live. It's been a while now. He did it on the last tour before COVID, but uh, there's a lot of uh, backing vocals going on as well, and in addition to the slapping and stuff. But it's it's a uh, it's a cool part, and the the uh, I play that on a, a 74 or 75 jazz bass. That I unfortunately had to sell during COVID. It was good for a good few uh, mortgage payments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a jazz? It was a jazz, yeah. I have a Fender jazz that got away in the 90s because I needed to buy an Ernie Ball and I couldn't afford both. So I wanted my music band. Yeah. I really regret that. But. Well, give us a sense of, I know this is going to be difficult to put into words, but your live show, I it's got yeah. to imagine it's high energy. You got the horn section, the full band. What's it like? We play. We have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Huh? It's, it's actually, I mean, 
Yes, there is high energy, absolutely. And then at the same time, there's also a lot of like intense concentration because there's a lot of stuff to get right. And especially when these guys upped their game and started doing backing vocals. So, and they, they're doing a great job. So it's so cool because prior to that, I would have like extra vocalists do the backing vocals and we would be like 11 persons on stage and whatnot. And then, you know, we, we started talking about it and the guys were like, yeah, we want to give it a try. So, and from there on, you know, never looked back. It's, that's so cool to me. I mean, I love, love it when a band does like all the vocals. Yep. Like Toto and stuff like that. Yeah, or like a little Just, river band or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that stuff. Really. Eagles. And yeah. Chicago and all those guys. Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool. Not having to have like an extra, like, uh, you know, additional um, backing group or whatever. I mean, yeah. Do you guys ever uh, open it up and do extended just improv jams or is it fairly well rehearsed? Well, everything is quite, you know, thoroughly rehearsed, absolutely. But then at the same time, we do have spots where people get to shine and they can, you know, have a go as long as they like, pretty much. So, mm. yeah. Tailor it to, to the situation. If you're playing a jazz club or a exactly. jazz festival, we'll do longer solo yeah. sections, you know, let people play because people uh the guitar player marcus uh the keyboard player through the mm. they are monster solo players so they can they can they could do shows of their own so uh it's cool to to have extended solo sections every once in a while but we usually usually uh do the songs pretty much like they are on the record yeah, like, like lately we've been doing obviously Soul Letters uh, tunes and uh, like on uh, Ready to Hold You, we just add like uh, verse going forever and uh, Marcus is just uh, free to, you know, improvise and have fun, you know, for as long as he likes. So that's kind of like a loose type of, of uh, interpreting what's going on. Have you uh, found a way to get find a way into the set list yet? We are actually playing it, yeah. So nice. we've been, I guess, tonight's going to be like the fourth time we play it, <laughs> which is kind of kind of crazy, but great fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, the more you play a tune, the more it gets underneath your skin yeah. and all that stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, obviously, we're the ones doing it, so I have to be Bill. Or yeah, Sorry, I'm not, question, I'm, not, right? I'm not pretending or trying to be Bill. I'm being myself, but I have to do his parts, obviously. And I'm also doing the solo. And so uh, because of that, I'm just doing my own thing. I, mm -hmm. I just um, right. I make my own solo, basically. So. Well, I just, I just got to add, it was a really, really cool moment. I was at Ola's place doing uh, backing vocals when Bill's uh, final vocal came in. Uh, and we listened to it, and he, he had this huge grin. <laughs> I actually shot a video of it because it's it sounds it's so vintage Bill Champlin, and he even yeah, yeah. you know triple stacked his own vocals yeah, yeah, and yeah. had yeah full of ideas. And at at his age, to sound you got to admire that. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I that's my yeah. initial thought was like, wow, at that yeah. age, and he's so creative, and he's like so 
full of just ideas like, hey, what about this? What about this? You know, and he just yeah. put it there and let us, you know, do whatever yeah. we want. Yeah, we met Bill at a gig in Ohio last year. I did a track with him last year as well. He sang lead on and it was covering one of his songs from back in the Sons of Champlin days. And I said, just do what you did back then. And I swear he sounds as good as he did back in what that would have been 76, maybe. So it was amazing. It does live as well. Sings yeah. live just like you'd expect it. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I lost my train of thought. I had a question uh, teed Good. up. Yeah. So, John, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> you think oh, it's I, I know what it was. I know what it was. I know oh, what it was. Hang on a minute. The, the play out at the end of um, Find a Way, the guitar. Is that Jay doing that as well? Yep. That's me. That's Ole. Oh, man. That's going to come back later in the lightning round because that's some Ooh. fine work. All right. Well, I think I'm out of questions. Yeah. All right. As was evidenced by the dead silence there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here joking. Sorry. Never <laughs> mind the little Norwegian dude. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, let me ask you just real quick on your catalog, going back to that. John referenced all the various sounds or whatever. Right. Do you remember, was there something specific beyond just a natural evolution of your melting pot sounds? Was there a specific decision point? Because there was for John and there was for me where we said, you know what? I'm going to try to do some version of this West Coast thing because it, it doesn't sound like you're trying to do West Coast, but I could hear the influences. But going from, say, death metal or whatever it was, heavy metal. <laughs> Extreme to this metal. Is, is, yeah. So at what point did you make the like intellectual decision that this is how, where I'm going to take my career? That's really interesting because... That's pretty much what I did because, like, the evolution of the whole thing was, yes, I used to play in a death metal band for quite some years, and actually we're kind of still active, or maybe maybe not super active, but this year we're going out to play for the first time in many years, which is great fun. Anyways, during uh, the beginning of the 2000s, I started, you know, thinking about the idea of doing something solo, Basically, so that's where it started. Like, okay, man, I just want to do something on my own. It'd be fun, you know? And then uh, in 2002, I ended up uh, just making a record under my own name called Chiro. And basically, that was all covers. So not a lot of thought into that process. I just did it and, uh, you know, had fun with it. Never thought too much about it. But then after that, I started thinking about, okay, so what's what's it going to be? What am I going to do? And actually, at the very beginning, I was thinking about like doing more rock-oriented type of stuff. And I had some demos of some songs that were kind of like, you know, basically pop melodies in a, in a more like rock context, sort of like your Foo Fighter-ish type of thing, you know. I was heavily into those guys and heavily into a lot of other rock bands and still, still are, actually. I mean, huge Rush fan, for instance. But yeah, anyways... But actually, as time went on, we started playing together and we implemented like some songs of uh, Michael Martin mm. and also some of the Bob and Pauline Wilson tunes. Like, you know, that the only album called Bob and Pauline, super funky album. And, um, and so kind of like, it, it, I started getting warm to the idea of maybe, maybe I should try like more of a West Coasty type of thing, like the stuff that I grew up with because for whatever reason I'd been keeping it on a distance because of just just thinking that 
it's too hard. I can't, I can't do it. But you know, because I mean, all the perfection and all the, that, you know, um, you know, all the stuff that goes into those songs is like such a huge deal. And so I always like had this distance to it and thought that okay, I don't think I can do it. But gradually, I you know open up to the idea and realize that okay, I think I'm gonna give it a shot and you know try to write some something in the veins of that stuff but as as you mentioned it doesn't sound as if I'm trying to do west coast which makes total sense for me because yes I have all of those different um, influences of my upbringing but they're kind of like combined with my love to the more soul type of thing like the more 70s early 70s driven thing like especially Stevie Wonder but just that attitude towards the music and so and also obviously as you mentioned like the Prince reference just trying to combine all that stuff together and and at the end of the day try to make some good songs basically and so that's what I set out to do prior to the first album yeah well, we are blessed that you found the sound that you found, and um, I always wondered because the people, the circles that we run in, these yacht rock fans and West Coast devotees, um, they they eat your music up, right? It's just like they do some of the other modern artists that are doing something in this vein. And I always listen to it. I'm like, yeah, but is this really West Coast? I don't know. It's a sound unto its own. And I thought I had myself convinced that it wasn't. And then Find a Way comes out. And you got Bill Champlin, Jay Green, and Michael Lombardi. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't know. <laughs> and does it matter? Yeah. It really does yeah, it exactly, even Because matter. that's what yeah. I'm thinking, that um, as long as it makes you happy, it can't be yeah. that bad, as Cheryl Crow <laughs> sings. Sorry. That's, that's right. right. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's what matters. Hmm. Music yeah. is such a treat, and I consider it a gift from God. And I also yeah. consider each and every time I put together a song, I'm just putting together a new puzzle with stuff yep. that already is there. You know what I mean? So that's my attitude towards whatever, whatever music is. And so because of this, it can be West Coast. It doesn't matter. It can be funk. It can be... Yeah, just name it. Uh, I mean, it's all good. It's outstanding, and there's a lot to love. Um, so if you're new to the to the artist, there's a deep catalog. It goes all the way back to 2008, right? And um, plenty of good record. My gateway into your catalog, by the way, was the Christmas album that you did oh, with Samuel. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, man, every song on here is just. Uh, a gem and now i've got your whole catalog in my in my catalog so that's great gentlemen really appreciate what you do appreciate you coming on the podcast john any final thoughts or questions no i'm just so appreciative because in reality we don't hear much of this kind of music in the united states we know how popular it is particularly in your region of the world whether it be sweden norway or even parts of other parts of europe but we don't get much of this flavor here believe it or not and so we really appreciate that you guys are doing it cool well, thank of, you. It's very cool. And uh, go knock them dead tonight, all right? Yeah. Yeah, we will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks for being on the show, guys. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Well, it seems like just yesterday I was discovering the uh, Oldie Borood uh, and Samuel. I'm not even going to try it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get Ole to say his last name for me. And I, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, discover that was probably already four years ago now. And now we get to talk to him. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I remember you brought him to my attention in the first place. And that was sort of via your appreciation for the bass player. So, Lars, right? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. Full circle, full circle. Yeah. Well, 
Great interview. I hope they're doing a good show right now. And uh, we didn't say do a good show. Uh, do a good no show. Spinal Tap references. Now, how is that possible? Mm. Um, but I do have a link uh, that uh, Lars Eric sent me of a uh, encore that they did. A cover of Keep On Moving was an encore. I think that's how they typically finish their show. Okay, cool. Got a YouTube video of that that I will put in the show notes. So All go right. check that out. Feel like you're there. And with that, let's move on to a lightning round. I am ready. Lightning quick. All right, let's hear it. I'm done. What do you, okay. Right. No, right. I'm going to start with Found at Sea, right? You want me to go first? Good place it? to start. Okay, yep. Found at Sea, this is a message in a bottle variant mm. of that. Okay. I had posted on our Facebook page a compelling question. Got a lot of interesting answers. And the question was phrased like this. Quote, I said, putting aside musicianship or songwriting qualities, but just from a pure sound quality perspective, what are your top three best productions any genre. Now, in my mind, I was thinking album. Some people took it as individual songs. Saw that, yes. The list that came back I thought was pretty interesting. There's some obscure things in there that I would, never would have thought of. But uh, um, let's see. We got uh, Monkey House Headquarters. Mm, which I have just, not given that one a good listen. Just spun it today, as a matter of Did fact. Did you? All yes. Right. Alan Parsons. Interesting. Uh, Eye in the Sky. I mean, that, that album is one of those definitive sonic masterpieces. Uh, we had a vote for Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Oh, we had a minute by minute, Doobie Brothers. Um, Art Garfunkel, Scissors Cut. I, I am 0.0 informed on that album. The Nightfly, Fagan's okay. Nightfly, yeah. I that belongs that. on there. Uh, Sowing the Seeds of Love, Tears for Fears. That's an interesting pick. I think that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back into the uh, the jazz realm, I mean, one of the early definitive sounding records was kind of blue, Miles Davis. Yes. Right? I have no idea. End of a Love Song, American Flyer. Mm, no, mm-hmm. nothing. Uh, Walking a Changing Line, Ian Matthews. I know who Ian Matthews is, but I don't know that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Side Story. Original Broadway production score. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, we had, here's where some songs were in there. Asia, Sailing, Rosanna. Right? How do you know it was Asia the song and not the album? Well, because the other two are songs, I'm guessing. Oh. Okay. Kansas Left Overture, Boston debut album, and Dire Straits Love Over Gold. I know a lot of people call that their sonic masterpiece for testing their stereo. Ah, yes. So there is your message in a bottle variant. Okay. Uh, found at sea. I like that. Well, for my found at sea, I'm going to keep it simple because it was just uh, a couple weeks ago now, I think, that I found this new uh, Oli Bowrude track at sea on Facebook. <laughs> so let's uh, hear, hit a little of uh, Find A Way again. But if we can, uh, let's give Ole some props because his playout guitar lead is phenomenal. So maybe you can fade the fader up as they're fading away so we can hear some of this stuff. That's some good work. I mean, it's... Also, I don't know if I would have the balls, I'm sorry, the, the nerve to no be doubt. on a track when Jake Graydon hit the lead. I know. I, I was thinking the same thing. But he he could do it, though. I can't, so yeah, there you it, go. And it's definitely an entirely different approach. As we said in the interview, you could hear 
Graydon pulling out some of his standard big interval jumps and slides and bends and things that, uh, and then this is much more of what we would call a ripper of yep. a solo at the end. Yep. Cool. Well, moving on, I'm going to do a uh, buried treasure here. So we've had listener Mike on the program. We have. Uh, we've referenced uh, our father for being a huge influence in bringing Chuck Banjoni and jazz into our lives. Yeah. Right. Um, but a buried treasure from our family that we have not spoken of is our mother. Oh, yes. And Ole Bo Rude in 2011, uh, the Keep Moving album, yeah. ironically enough, uh, has a tribute to his own mother called She's Like No Other. So since the buried treasure here is our mom, it's this song, Mother's Day's coming up. Here it is, She's Like No Other. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, pr- mad props for the mothers. Yep. That's right. That leaves uh, only list- unlistener Mark or non-listener Mark to be referenced in our family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who do you got for a buried treasure or what? Well, I have a song here that is uh, certainly a. this artist is a buried treasure, and this is even an, a buried treasure, buried song on this album. So, Joey Scarberry. Mm, nobody yeah. knows who he is other than for Greatest American Hero theme, Not 1981. Nobody. You know what I mean. He's not a household name. Anyway, uh, here's another song from that same album. The point of this is go listen to the album because the album is way deeper than just that hit and then, you know, a bunch of filler at the end. Interesting. Uh, But this was written by Stephen Geyer, who also, well, co-written by Scarberry with Stephen Geyer. Mm -hmm. And Stephen Geyer, that name rang a bell to me and I looked it back up and he's the one that co-wrote with Bill LeBounty. Hot Rod Hearts that oh. Robbie Dupree did. But the song I want to play from the album is this one called Everything But Love. If you just hold tight, don't worry about tomorrow. That sounds right up my alley. I think Ooh. that needs to go in several of your lists. Yes. Uh, yeah, country, for one. Yeah. Um, all right. Why well, do what I'm doing after this podcast is over? All right. What about... Um, that was your buried treasure, correct? That was. So what's off the map, off as you the reckon? Map. I had to wait till off the map to bring eagles to the party. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> well, but what I found interesting on this is uh, the song is going to be the Eagles' Sad Cafe. So from the long run album, Last Track... But if you let that go all the way out to the end, suddenly the sax player appears. Mm. And I was probably, what, two weeks old? Two weeks you know, ago old? No. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I was yesterday old, whatever that, however that saying yeah. goes. I just discovered this a couple weeks ago that on that playout, that's Sanborn on sax. Is it? So let's give that a hit. So it takes a while to get into that before you can even tell that it's Sanborn, even when someone tells you that it is. That's for sure. That's for darn sure. But uh, that obviously puts that song on the boat, then, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Aren't the Eagles already on the boat? Uh, yes, a number of times. Okay. All right. Uh, cool. I am putting that on my playlist as we speak. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, right? Uh, okay. 
Uh, for my uh, off the map, I'm going back to the Ole Borud catalog. I told him when we were on air that Soul Letters, his most recent, was my favorite record. And I'm going to choose my favorite song off the favorite record. And here is a funky little thing called Just For A Little While. Oh, well, what if I was able to listen Just for a little while And let go of my own ambition Just for a little while When will I be ready to listen Just for a little while So funky that... Uh... What's it? Your neighbor's that song lawn moves dies? in next door. That's something it. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your grass dies. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Bill Champlin's yeah. witticism. All right. Well, there's the episode. There uh, it is. Like I said, we're down just to uh, listener Mark and uh, I'm sorry, non-listener Mark. Right. Now we have the whole family on the podcast. But you know what he told me about this podcast? I have no idea. Ahoy, Poloy. Whoa.